Today on Bob and Yurt Live, we're talking all things Rittenhouse trial. The prosecution is grasping at straws. LeBron James, the biggest superstar crybaby of them all, attacks Kyle for having a panic attack. And we're told to have compassion and feel bad for the, and major air quotes here, the victims of Rittenhouse, which is completely absurd. All of that and more today on Bob and Yurt Live. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. I'm your host, Dominic Inyar. If you've been living under a rock for the past few years, I am very jealous. Please come find me and bring me to your rock. It sounds rather cozy and safe away from the madness of the world. Your homie abode has the upside of not having to hear about the Rittenhouse trial nonsense. And I apologize, but I am going to catch you up. If you are one of our wise rock dwellers, or to give you a basic recap of what's been going on, if you don't have all of the details. So last summer during the BLM riots, there was chaos in the streets. Police officers were largely unhelpful, and there was madness and lawlessness everywhere. Some people in Kenosha, Wisconsin specifically, were fearful for their lives and their property, and they asked some friends from close by to come and help and protect their lives, their families, and their property. Among them was 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. He came armed and ready to protect and serve, putting himself in harm's way to be a hero. And he was a hero. As the night of BOM burn loot murder, as the night was young, one man told Kyle he was going to kill him. After being separated from his group, Kyle was attacked by that same man, and after giving him every chance to back off and not trying to kill him, Kyle Rittenhouse shot the attacker along with two of his buddies who were also attacking. This is the most clear-cut case of self-defense you could imagine. Kyle's mindset was that of, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by 6. Needless to say, as these were two BOM rioters who were shot, Rittenhouse has been vilified by the media and he's being charged with murder, which of course is absurd. I'm sure you're likely not one of our rock-dwelling friends, and you've heard a fair bit about this already. And as you are the smartest audience in the country, I'm sure I don't have to work too hard to convince you of his innocence. Now, that said, there are a few interesting details I'd like to cover about the whole situation. First and foremost is the prosecution, which to me is hilarious. As I hear the prosecution, I think like, man, this guy is a great defense lawyer, you know, but uh, no, he's truly like grasping at straws to make his arguments, which in all fairness, when you are wrong, it's hard to be persuasive. But as this dude is clearly evil just for taking this case, I have a hard time pitying him or feeling bad that he's making such a fool out of himself. But there's a few claims that have been made, which I find absurd. Now, the first, some context, it's common legal knowledge that you can plead the fifth. And which for any public school teachers out there, that means that when you are arrested, you have the right to remain silent as to not incriminate yourself against the crime you are being charged with. When you watch a crime show and someone's arrested and they say you have the right to remain silent, that is the pleading the fifth. 
whether or not you agree with the concept of pleading the fifth, it is the law. And for about 50 years, it's been common legal practice that if someone chooses to be silent after arrest, the prosecution cannot say, oh, hey, he's being quiet, uh, which you would only do if you were guilty, right? And the prosecution in the Kyle Rittenhouse case started to do that before getting this warning from the judge. Let's hear this. You need to account for this. Your Honor, I don't want to, I don't want to jury here. He's commenting on my client's right to remain silent. No, Your Honor, I am making the point that after hearing everything in the case, now he's tailoring his story to what has already been introduced. The problem is, this is a grave constitutional violation for you to talk about the defendant's silence. And that is, and, and, the, and you're right, you're right on the, you're right on the borderline. And you may, you may be over, but uh, it better stop. Understood. This is, I can't think of the case, the initial case on it, but it's, uh, this is not permitted. This was a relatively kind warning. And then after the prosecution offended even further, we heard this from the judge. Why would you think that that made it okay for you without any advance notice to bring this matter before the jury? You are already, you were, I, I was a, astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law. It's been basic law in this country for 40 years, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like that. And it gives, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I don't know what you're up to. So kudos to the judge for that. I am always for embarrassing lawyers. I tend to have a hate-hate relationship with lawyers where I really don't like them. But at the end there, he says, I don't know what you're up to. I do know what he's up to. He's a corrupt lawyer trying to twist the truth to get a guilty verdict. He is an evil person trying as hard as he can to ruin Kyle's life, and for that I show very little sympathy. The next thing that the prosecution does, which just blows my mind, the stupidity of it, is he accuses Kyle Rittenhouse of playing video games and has to put him in a situation where he has to explain that video games are different from real life. Let's hear that. Isn't one of the things people do in these video games try and kill everyone else with your guns? Yeah, it's a video game. It's just a video game. It's not real life. So this is somewhat just embarrassing that the prosecution would even think to bring this up. Oh, Kyle, you play Super Mario Bros. in which you ride on Yoshi and eat Goombas. I feel like this would insinuate that you would also be the type of person to go around haphazardly murdering people. And of course, it's just it's pointless. It's irrelevant to the trial. Now, I do want to say that there are a lot of people who say video games play no role in shaping culture and shaping morality. And I think that is a foolish point and that we take it a little bit too far when we say things like that, because what you put into your soul and what you put into your mind and into your body 
it affects what comes out and it affects who you are and it affects your perception of reality. And you need to be dreadfully careful about what you do put into your mind. And if you're constantly playing video games with a lot of violence, watching TV with violence, it's not good for your soul and it does desensitize you to that. That said, I don't think it's inherently wrong to go watch Lord of the Rings or to play a video game, but you have to have discernment with how much you're putting content like that into your soul. You know, I'm a younger guy and I play video games. I even play video games with my church group. And so I I have firsthand experience that I do know that video games, they can be bad for your soul and they can also be fine and they can be an enjoyable and even a God honoring way to spend your free time. That said, it can have a negative impact on your soul, but in the case of this trial here, it is completely irrelevant and embarrassing that he would even think to bring this up. Now, uh, moving on, the third thing that he said that's just embarrassing is that he showed a, being the prosecution, he showed a basic lack of legal gun knowledge. He accused Kyle of having this massive, scary looking gun. And he was asking, why didn't you just have a nicer looking gun? Like maybe like a little handgun. And Kyle actually had to teach him as he was on the stand that no, the gun I was carrying is a, it, it's a legal gun to carry, whereas a handgun, that would be illegal for me to carry. And this illustrated three points, which I thought were great. One, the prosecution has no idea what it's doing. It's embarrassing and hilarious, and it's fun to watch them grasp at straws and fall apart. B, it illustrates that Rittenhouse is well aware of the law, and he has shown a vested interest in following the law and keeping the law and understanding the law. And then it also illustrates that, well... Frankly, gun laws are stupid. You can have a gun that will do way more damage than a handgun, and you're allowed to own that, but not a handgun. It's absurd. And of course, he should have been allowed to own a handgun, but especially that point that Kyle knows the laws. He's shown such an interest in understanding them and keeping them and following them, which really goes a long way to show his innocence. Now, I do want to get into an argument that a lot of people in the court of public opinion have been making. But before I get to that, I want to mention briefly that it is our November 2021 telethon. We could so desperately and dearly use your support. We typically set a dollar goal for our telethons, like thirty or $40,000. But this time we're looking for 20 new monthly donors who will help sponsor just one show a month. Being on the air isn't cheap. We run about 20 shows a month and it costs us about 150 bucks per show. And we operate on such a shoestring budget here. So in the past, we've relied heavily on those large donations and big dollar telethons. But that was when Bob was here. Now the ministry has much less security and that makes promoting Bob's teachings a daunting task. So if just you and 19 others can help us guarantee that the show goes on, Bob's biblically centered teachings will go out to thousands more. It will allow us to take Bob's vast library of teachings and make them more available to the public, and that would be such a blessing. If you could sponsor one show a month, half a show a month, maybe you could sponsor 10 shows a month, who knows? 
And you could do that either as a one-time thing or as a monthly thing, and it would be so appreciated. I think of the ministries of so many godly leaders and authors and preachers who their ministries have been magnified tenfold or even a hundredfold after their passing, like C.S. Lewis, and how he today still has such an impact on millions. And we have no doubt that Bob could have a similar impact, and your sponsorship could be a massive force to help magnify his ministry and the gospel. So if you can help us out, that would be such a blessing. And today's show is actually sponsored by Dana and Gina H. from Colorado. Guys, thank you so much. It is such a blessing that you are helping to keep us on air and everyone out there in the audience. If you enjoy this show, you can thank Dana and Gina. Guys, thank you so much. All right. Now, moving on. Uh, A claim that I have heard a lot recently when people have been covering this trial is that Kyle was committing a crime because he was a kid carrying a gun and he was under 18 and in Wisconsin that's a crime and because he was committing a crime he cannot claim self-defense and so with this claim there's two questions we have to ask one is Rittenhouse actually guilty of unlawful possession of a firearm under the age of 18 and two if he is guilty does that affect his ability to act in self-defense now I personally think this is an abysmal argument on every level so I'd like to go through it point by point First of all, he's charged with this crime, illegally possessing a gun under the age of 18, and he will have to defend against it. And I'm not sure. I think I saw a tweet just before we started the show that said he was innocent. I'll have to look more into that and let you guys know tomorrow about whether or not that was true. But we do know that he's being charged with this, and it's something that he has to defend against. Now, for a little bit of context, the statute that he's being charged with is 948.60 in Wisconsin. And let me explain this statute quickly. There's the main statute, which mentions a few other relevant statutes. And the main statute has two important sections, one explaining the rules and another explaining the exceptions to the rules. In section one, it states, quote, any person under 18 years of age who possesses or goes armed with a dangerous weapon is guilty of a class A misdemeanor. And I'd like to note that the statute defines a dangerous weapon as a firearm, not a sword, not brass knuckles, not a club, but a a gun. Whether it's loaded or unloaded, the law is saying if you have a gun, that is a dangerous weapon. So pretty straightforward so far. If you are under 18 carrying around a gun, you are by Wisconsin law guilty. But, and there's always a but, right? But then the statute goes on to explain the exceptions. Later it reads, quote, This applies only, note that only, only to a person under 18 years of age who possesses or is armed with a rifle or shotgun if the person is in violation of section 941.28 or is not in compliance with SS 29.304 and 29.593. So it's saying that this applies only if you're under 18 and if you've broken one of the three other sections pertaining only to a rifle or a shotgun. Notice it doesn't say a handgun or a cannon or a sniper rifle, but only to a rifle or a shotgun. 
Let me read this again. This applies only to a person under 18 years of age who possesses or is armed with a rifle or a shotgun if this person is in violation of sections and then the other sections. Now, the first other relevant statute was mentioned there. It's 941.28, and it essentially says if you're going to have a shotgun or a rifle, it needs to meet these requirements. So you can't have a sawed-off shotgun, for example, or you can't have a short-barreled rifle. That's essentially what that section of the law is saying and what it's talking about. And whether or not you agree or disagree, this is the law. Now, the gun that Rittenhouse had was in full accordance with the law, and it's worth pointing out that if it wasn't in accordance with the law, the prosecution would have used that, and they wouldn't have even mentioned that he was 17, and it would have been a slam dunk for them. It doesn't matter if he was 17 or 45 or 62. No matter what, either way, it would have worked out for the prosecution, but they didn't even use that. And they didn't because they know that his gun was in accordance with the law. The other relevant, and air quotes around relevant, but the other relevant statute is 29.304, which talks about someone who's hunting and who's under the age of 16. So that can be ignored because Kyle isn't under 16 and he's not hunting. The final, again, again, air quotes here, the final relevant statute is 29.593, which talks about requirements for getting a hunting license, which, of course, jokes and memes aside, Rittenhouse is not hunting. So this section can be ignored as well. Now, with that said, it's clear that the only relevant statutes by law show clearly that he's innocent of the unlawful possession charge. So remember, people who are making this claim, they're saying because he was breaking the law, he can't claim self-defense. Well, he wasn't breaking the law. So the first premise of your argument is already destroyed. It wasn't unlawful for Kyle to have that gun. At first glance, it might seem like it is, but then you spend another eight minutes reading and it's abundantly clear that it's not. Now, I'm not here to talk about what the laws should be. I mean, that's one of the major things we do on this show is talking about what the law should be. But right here and right now in this segment, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about what the law is. And according to the law, he was innocent of the unlawful possession charge. It is abundantly clear. But then for the second part of their claim, they say that since he's guilty, which he's not, But they say since he's guilty, if you're guilty, that means that you can't plead self-defense. And this is just it's it's an odd statement to make. I think only in this situation, they're just like I said, they're grasping at straws, trying to find any way to ruin this guy's life. But committing any criminal act does not inherently condemn you to death. And it doesn't mean that you are not allowed to defend yourself. If I steal a plastic fork from Wendy's and a rioter comes to kill me because, I don't know, I'm white or something, I don't have to say, well, I did steal that plastic fork from Wendy's, so I'm not going to defend myself. Of course, that's absurd. No, I could still defend myself and be fully justified. Past wrongs don't change that. 
I mean, in an ideal world, if I were a murderer or a kidnapper or a rapist or something, then I should go to the police and I should turn myself in and I should be put to death and I shouldn't resist that. But that's far from what we're talking about here. This misdemeanor, if he were doing that, that shouldn't mean that he should just roll over and die. Now, furthermore, let's Let's just say, pretend that he is guilty of unlawful possession, which again, he's not. But just pretending that were the case, if he's going to be punished for that, it would be for the unlawful possession, not for defending himself. So I don't know what exactly the punishment for that is, but maybe he gets a fine or something, or maybe even he spends a few months in jail or whatever it is, but he wouldn't be looking at 30 years in prison. It's a minor offense. Had he done that, which he didn't do, it would be a minor offense and it would be completely irrelevant to this, you know, air quotes, murder trial. And so I, I understand that liberals who hate Rittenhouse and who hate God, context does not matter to them. They don't care and nothing you can say will sway them. They've already had their minds made up. And most likely it's not even worth it to try to explain to them just because they're so embedded in their sin and in their pride that you most likely won't be able to get through to them. Maybe you could. Good luck if you try. But so for the brightest audience out there in the country, if you hear someone say he was breaking the law so it's not self-defense, you can know that that is absurd on every level. Okay, and now I, I do want to talk about Crybaby LeBron um, and his stupidity. But before I do that, there there have been a few interesting things I've noticed about this trial. One of them is that I've paid more attention to this trial than most trials. And I noticed that the lawyers, they have such a power to manipulate things in such a in such a deceitful way and that they can really even take things that are true and use those true things to lie. And I would say it's a lie because it's a manipulation. And for example, the prosecution, what they did, there was this clip. It was just a few seconds long. And on one of the days of the trial, they spend probably, I don't know, eight hours going through this clip frame by frame and just so slowly and tediously in the most, it seems to be, I, I would be miserable if I were going through that, but in the most miserable way, looking, okay, this gun is pointed at this angle at during this frame and this frame, it's like this. And when they do that, they manipulate everybody watching because you watch this clip. It's just a few seconds, but you're watching it for, you know, all day you're watching this clip and it somewhat tricks you a little bit because you've been watching for hours and hours and hours and all of these things, they begin to look premeditated because, you know, you're watching for such a long time and you're thinking about it. And so the stuff, they don't explicitly say it, but they're implying that the actions are premeditated, which is so deceitful because then I remember just maybe 80% of the way through that clip in the beginning of the clip, the guy the guy at the very beginning of the clip, he dropped something and then, you know, they're talking about this clip for eight hours and 75% of the way through, you realize, oh, that thing that he dropped, it hasn't even hit the ground yet. And so they can take evidence and manipulate it in such a deceitful way, which is one of the reasons I really dislike lawyers and why, you know, everybody should dislike lawyers because they're deceitful and they're evil.
And I've seen a lot of conservative commentators saying, talking about this trial online recently, and they've been making, there's a lot of them making a similar point. I agree with Kyle Rittenhouse is not the main thing on trial here. The main thing on trial here is the right to defend yourself. If someone's coming at you, this is the most clear cut case of self-defense It is textbook self-defense and it's it looks a little scary for Kyle here. And so it's not just Kyle on the stand here. It is Kyle and the very concept of self-defense. And that is why this case is so dreadfully important. And so the scale of this, it's massive. It's not just, oh, one person in a country of 330 million is on trial for murder. No, it will set a precedent for so many future trials. And if criminals see that people who will stop them are punished for stopping them, it will further embolden those criminals. It will further embolden the rioters and the murderers. And it will just be a massive disaster for the U.S., which is one reason why Kyle is under so much stress right now, because A, it's the future of his entire life, but it's also the future of the country. This is a massive point in American history. And Kyle, as he was testifying about this, you know, this, this traumatic event, he actually he broke down into tears, which if you know me personally, and we've talked at any great length, I, I've probably told you that I dislike when men cry. I typically think it's a bad thing and men should be strong. And that's my default position typically. And I know Jesus wept. And so there are cases where crying is definitely acceptable, but typically I'm against it. So if you ever hear me defending someone for crying, you can know I have a good reason for it. But so Kyle Rittenhouse, after shooting these people, he was testifying on the stand and he had a panic attack and he started crying. Let's hear this. Once I take that step back, I look over my shoulder and Mr. Rosenbaum, Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side. Um, and I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski and there were <laughs> there were three people right there. So that is what a panic attack looks like. And you could imagine you are a 17-year-old kid and your friends ask you, hey, can you come and protect me? So you go with a group to protect your friends and then you get separated from your group. There's this guy who says that he's going to kill you. And then you get separated and you're alone and you're running away from these people who are attacking you and you warn them to back off. You tell them not to attack you and then they come and attack you. And so you shoot them because, you know, there, there, there's that saying, rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. 
and Kyle Rittenhouse didn't want to die, so he shot these people in self-defense. You could imagine that's a traumatic experience. And then afterwards, he is on trial for this, and depending on what happens in this trial, it will affect the rest of his life. This is a monument, and he's on the stand. This is a monumental moment for him, and he is going through pressure unlike any pressure that 99% of humans will ever experience anything even remotely like this, which I feel terrible for him that he's going through this, and my heart goes out to him, and I pray for him, and I pray for our country. But so you can imagine going through something this terrible, and if you're a normal, sane person, you would be sympathetic towards Kyle. But the left, however, if you guessed that they offered any sympathy to Kyle, you would be sorely mistaken. LeBron James, one of many, many liberals with massive followings, tweeted out mocking Kyle for breaking down in this extremely devastating moment. And he tweeted out and asked, what tears? I don't see one. Man, knock it off. That boy ate some lemon heads before walking into court and then a bunch of laughing faces. That's what he tweeted out in response to Kyle. And that was just one of many, many liberals mocking Kyle, which is absolutely perverted and degenerate and disgusting. And it's abhorrent, to be frank. And you're mocking this kid who's going through more pressure than you've ever felt in your entire life. But the irony of it is that LeBron James is tweeting this out. And LeBron James is the biggest crybaby in the history of crybabies. He is the Sidney Crosby of the NBA. LeBron James, he's this massive basketball star. And it's so funny. By the way, if you're curious as to what sport is the toughest sport, Remember that there was a NHL player, National Hockey League, and there was an NHL player who his heart literally stopped during a playoff game. He was ruled dead, and then he was revived mid-game, and then asked he asked to be put back in the game. So that that is a man playing a sport right there, the National Hockey League. I am very pro-hockey and very anti-basketball, where we see LeBron James, he's crying and weeping with a leg cramp, and he has to be carried out of the stadium. He cries over lost games, and then he's the one who has the audacity to criticize Kyle for crying over a truly traumatic event. You know, the culture nowadays, we talk so much about these traumatic events, like, oh, he used the wrong pronouns for me. I'm crying and weeping because of this traumatic event. I have PTSD. And, you know, it's absurd that we take these claims seriously, but we do. And we act like it's a big deal when someone gets misgendered or something of that nature. And we talk so much about them and not hurting them. And, you know, they're going through something traumatizing. So we need to be kind and gentle with them. Yet, when you have a 17 year old kid who goes through something that actually is traumatic and could cause PTSD, then for some reason, it's okay to mock that person just because they don't agree with you. It just shows the double standard. Well, I guess I shouldn't say double standard. There isn't a double standard. The standard is very consistent. If you're aligned with conservatives and Republicans, you are wrong and evil and pathetic. And if you are a liberal, you are a gift from God. That is the standard. And I guess they don't 
Uh, it's not 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 a double standard. It's just that is the standard. And so LeBron here, he's saying that he's faking the tears, which you heard that if you've seen the video, it's even more clear how if he's not actually going through something hard, he should be given an award for being the best actor of the year because it's obvious that it was so genuine. A lot of people, they've been arguing that it wasn't genuine because there was another picture of him taken with his friends and he was smiling and happy in a picture. And they say, well, look, oh, see, he was he was happy here. So that means when he was on trial, then his crying, that wasn't real. And they imply that if you go through something traumatic, you genuinely cannot have any good moments and that you should be forced to suffer just misery for the rest of your life if you want any sympathy whatsoever. And of course, if he was, they wouldn't be offering any sympathy. They would still be mocking him mercilessly. And real quick to anyone who's claiming, oh, hey, look, there was this picture taken of him when he was with friends and he was smiling and happy. And they use that as evidence to show that he wasn't sincere in the court trial. I want to explain quickly the difference between being on this high intensity court trial where your future is at stake and hanging out with some friends who are there to support and encourage you. In one situation, you are in a high intensity trial where the rest of your future is at stake. And in the other situation, you are hanging out with your friends who are there to support and encourage you. Can you tell the difference between the two of those? Can you, can you see why one might be more intense than the other? I know that's a bit much to understand. But I, I tried to narrow narrow it down. One situation is you're having fun with your friends, and the other situation determines the rest of your life. Do you see how those are different? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I, I hope you do. If you don't, then uh, you're you're beyond. Then you're beyond me. I can't help you, and you shouldn't be listening right now. But uh, okay, so we're not supposed to have sympathy for Cower and House. But do you know who we are supposed to have sympathy for, according to the mainstream media? according to LeBron James and that whole crowd. It might surprise you. Actually, I'm sure it won't. They want you to feel sympathy for the people who were out there rioting and looting and burning and murdering. One of the people that the mainstream media wants you to feel sorry for is a convicted felon, assault and battery, domestic abuse, beating his wife. Another guy got a felony for a burglary. He violated probation, and he's he's that guy's still alive. They want you to feel bad for him. And the other guy was a convicted felon sex offender. He was a sex offender. And the media is saying, don't feel bad for Kyle Rittenhouse, who had to go through this. Feel bad for those people. And I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to. I, I don't feel bad for them. If you're going to go up to someone who's innocent and try and kill him and you get shot, I'm not going to I'm not going to feel bad for you. And especially not if you're a wife beater or if you're a, you know, a sex offender. I won't show any sympathy towards you, but I will show sympathy towards Kyle Rittenhouse, which obviously if these people were terrible people and Kyle had murdered them, that wouldn't have any effect on the trial. But I'm not saying that, oh, since these people are bad, what Kyle did was justified. I am saying since what these people did was bad, I will not be having sympathy for them.
Now, uh, that will about wrap it up for today. I want to remind you, it is our telethon month, and today's show was sponsored by Dana and Gina H. Thank you guys so much. If you guys in the audience like today's broadcast, you can thank Dana and Gina. Guys, thank you so much. And if you would like to help promote more content like this and keep content like this going in the future, we ask that you go to kgov.com and click the telethon banner at the top or click sponsor a show and help us out by sponsoring maybe one show a month. We would appreciate that so much and that would really help us to continue promoting biblical teachings and getting Bob's vast library of content out to the masses. We would be so thankful for all of your support. We'll see you tomorrow. And until then, this is Dominic Enyart reminding you to do right and risk the consequences as our friend Kyle has. God bless.